Denver's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson. Greetings and salutations, my friend. Welcome to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Brad Wilson. And today's guest on the show is high stakes cash game animal, poker detox legend, and co-founder of Big Bet U, Matt Marinelli. Marinelli was a longtime member and coach of the Poker Detox crew and another one of those guys I got to spend a fairly significant amount of time interacting with during the Atlanta Detox retreat back in March. In a recent Poker Power Hour where Jason Sue was guest hosting, Jason asked me why I believed Marinelli had reached the rare level of poker success that he had and I told him that I just felt like the dude didn't have an ego. He's not one to outright dismiss differing opinions or feel overly sensitive when another player critiques his play. He simply listens to the feedback, takes what he believes to be valuable, upgrades his game, and then disregards the rest of the noise. When you're constructed in this way as a human being and surround yourself with some of the best poker players and minds on the planet, there is no alternative destination than experiencing massive poker success. In Matt Marinelli and I's conversation, you're going to learn why your poker tribe is everything, Matt's daily process for improving his poker game, why not all poker coaches are created equally, and our suggestions on finding one who's a good fit for you, and much, much more. So without any further ado, I bring to you one of the very best online No Limit Hold'em players and coaches in the entire universe, Matt Marinelli. Mr. Marinelli, how are we doing, sir? Hey, how's it going, Brad? It's going very well. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you on. You've been making some waves, according to the Jason Sue newsletters that I've been receiving. Um, Yeah, so typically start out this show by asking about your story. How'd you get involved playing cards? Sure, I mean, I started... Like a lot of people, when I was like 18, around uh, playing Poker Stars right before Black Friday. Um, just How old are you? I'm 29. 29. Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, I played like for play money on Full Tilt Poker when I was like 16 with my Call of Duty 2 friends. Um, so, I don't know. Just kind of one of those people that always loved games, loved you know chess and trading card games when I was in middle school and stuff like that. So, poker is very natural for me. Um, I've been playing poker for, I guess, 11 years at this point and just kind of had a longstanding passion for it. Yeah. What does what, what a progression look like? The play money, full tilt days, messing around um, right after Black Friday. Why did you decide <laughs> yeah. to, you know, you're a smart guy, right? Like uh, we, we've hung brilliant out. Brilliant even. Yeah, brilliant <laughs> even. You, you're, you're a brilliant dude. Um, I might have to hire about- you as my hype man afterwards. So Maybe. Maybe yeah, we'll Jason, Jason, Sue's in trouble. Um, it's got to be competition in the market. <laughs> fighting over the prettiest lady <laughs> at the ball. Yeah. Uh, what was it that led you specifically to poker? You know, you have a lot of options and things that you can pursue. <laughs> yeah. 
Why poker specifically? Why did it resonate with you? Well, I mean, I remember it was the 2006 main event and seeing that huge field and watching that on ESPN. A lot of people were inspired by that era. I mean, that was the Jamie Gold year, which is funny looking back at that. It's um, very inspiring seeing a man of Jamie's caliber win yes, the WSOP win that main event. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But even especially when you're that young, it, I, it's just like $12 million, just this inconceivable amount of money, and it just seems so cool. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I just started playing on Poker Stars and eventually got to winning at 50 NL and feeling like this is amazing. <laughs> winning two big blinds for 100 at 50 NL, I'm a god. And yep. then Black Friday happened and kind of displaced a lot of hopes and dreams for a lot of people. So then I just kind of went back to playing like free rolls or something until I decided, you know what, I'll just play on these black market sites or whatever. I was in college and it was whatever and was playing on lock poker for a while. And it reminds me back in the day of playing 15 tables of 200 NL lock poker and with some ridiculous rake back deal. So not surprised that they went under <laughs> and that scammed everyone. Oh yeah, they 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 were the big the big scammers lock poker. So you chose well when choosing the right yeah, black I market made sure, platform. Yeah, <laughs> poker stars boom went under, <laughs> lock poker went under. That was probably the best I've ever run in my entire life is lock poker, where I just kind of sensed it was going to go under, and I had like fifteen thousand on there and like was able to withdraw almost all of it before they eventually went under. Um, yeah, I, I can. I considered them, and I think I re- was reading on 2 Plus 2, and people were, like, talking about not receiving their cash outs. And I was like, nope, yeah, exactly. <laughs> not depositing there. <laughs> as soon as it was taking, like, six weeks, I'm like, oh, my God, just withdrawing max every at every opportunity. But oh, yeah. it was a lot of my bankroll at the time, so it was Did you ever have any, like, what were you in college for? What was, what was your degree I went in? to school for filmmaking, which is something I'm very passionate about. And I live in Los Angeles now, so whenever I'm done with poker, I want to be a director working in music videos, um, commercials, and making my own independent films. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, seeing as you don't have a webcam for this this conversation. Yes, yes I'm really passionate about not having a webcam. <laughs> <laughs> passionate about filmmaking, just not on myself at all, ever. Yeah, well, I want to be behind the camera, not in front of the camera. Uh, <laughs> I understand. I understand. So, like, basically, you're using poker as a way to fund your filmmaking career down the road. Yeah, because after I graduated from college, I was uh, working a regular job as like a, well, quote unquote, regular job as like a wedding videographer and doing commercials for small businesses, like interviewing hotel managers and stuff like that for whatever they wanted. And I was playing small stakes, no limit on the side. So I kind of had two jobs. And didn't feel totally fulfilled because I didn't, I'm really the type of person that wants to be really great at one thing. So I basically had to choose and went with poker. You could be really good at, I guess, interviewing random hotel clerks or good (laughs) at poker. I think I see the, the appeal of poker. Yeah. I mean, you can make a lot more money and still have the freedom and independence. It was difficult because I felt really strongly about two things at the same time, but, um, you know, does that you can't mean that, be great at the same time, two things that, at once. No, you absolutely cannot. And does that mean that one day when poker is in the rearview mirror, you're just going to kind of set it to the side in full yep. and move into filmmaking 100%? Yeah, and then never talk about it or think about it again. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know that I believe you. I, I don't know that, like, you know, you're in the L.A. area, right? Yeah. 
yeah, you're going to pop into the casino. Your, your cards are going to be a part of your life in some capacity. I just, I don't know. I feel like it, it's, it would almost be a shame, right? Like you still, do you still enjoy playing the game? It's definitely not as fun as when I was a kid because now I feel like I've already accomplished all my poker dreams and I I find doing stuff that's like filmmaking is more, it seems more sustainable because it's always going to be different because it's something that's creative. And I think just the zero-sum aspect of poker kind of weighs on you after a while where it's just kind of this solitary thing where you're sitting on your computer playing the same two card game for 11 years i um, so i enjoy it yeah but it's it's just different i can tell you with 100 percent certainty that i empathize with it, the words that are coming out of your <laughs> mouth um that's why you and i are having this conversation right now right like that's why mm-hmm. i entered the content creation game and the poker coaching game because the zero-sum nature of poker will eventually wear you down. And like, you have to, you know, at least in my case, I wanted to seek fulfillment by helping people out, being the guide on their journey. And that was much more fulfilling than, you know, sitting down and grinding day in and day out and just doing everything that I could to maximize my win rate. Yeah, I I know. know. (laughs) And that's why I think it's great for people that like wanted to get into coaching or um, like you're doing content creation, streaming, just getting involved with the community or some other people in some capacity. I mean, we're social creatures. You can't really be happy just <laughs> sitting alone doing this stuff day yeah, just, in, day out. Yeah. And your only job in life is to like slit all your opponent's throats, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> it's not yeah. like we're the, the social interaction we get is like ultra uh, fulfilling. <laughs> positive. Right? Yeah. You're yeah, not, not making positive. a real connection with people. No. And that's one thing that's appealing to me specifically about filmmaking is that it's a very social business and, you're working with a ton of other creative people that have their own thing. So like you're working with a cinematographer who's all about the camera and lighting. And then there's like a, you know, the choreographer that's dancing and the actors that have their thing. So you kind of get to work with people that are very, uh, they have their own specialty and their own insights and their craft um, and kind of work together to make something of value instead of just competing in something that produces really nothing. Yeah. I get it filmmaking seems to be kind of like a puzzle in the same way that poker is right. You're putting the pieces together. You're collaborating with a bunch of different things and trying to make it work. Um, there's a fairly big gap here though, right? There's this mm. gap of lock poker to like your career now as yeah. one of the alphas on at least ignition casino, um, or ignition, whatever <laughs> they call themselves. Whatever nowadays. it is these days. Yeah. yeah. Um, so tell me about that process, right? How, where, what was your next step after lock poker in college and how were you able to be, you know, the stone cold killer that you are today? Right. Well, after I graduated from college, I basically decided I was going to try to balance both of these things at the same time in doing filmmaking stuff and poker. And it, I, it just kind of wasn't really working for me with poker where I was winning at small stakes, like 100 NL, but it wasn't enough to like take off and give me the financial independence that everybody sort of aspires to in poker. And I was never really able to realize kind of the the potential that I felt that I had because I'd always sort of yo-yoed back and forth between like 100 NL to 400 NL, stuff like that, but never really took off and made it to high stakes, even though I felt that I, I could, I just hadn't found the right combination for it yet. 
And I guess it was around that time, like 2015, 2016, that people were really getting into GTO and using solvers. And I think I started out using GTO Range Builder with, I can't even remember who it was, Alex Sutherland. Is that a person? Sounds like a person. Yeah. (laughs) And he had these videos that was sort of my introduction to theory, um, which was really cool. But I also tried to implement it so literally that I started to hate poker and feel like this is all just memorization. And I wasn't really doing as well as I thought I could. Um, And that's when I eventually found Poker Detox with Nick Howard, um, which really changed the game for me in his CFP stable. And what about Nick Howard? Because it sounds a little bit counterintuitive, right? You're trying to move up the high stakes. And when you join Coaching for Profit, you're naturally giving away some of your profit, right? In exchange for upgrading your game. So like, what was it about Nick's training methodology that changed everything for you? Well, I remember I was just in the situation where I wasn't happy with my results and I decided that I was going to put some money on run at once just as a one, one off thing, just to see what were the people, what were the coaches talking about looking for inspiration in some way. Um, and I guess I best decision I ever made because I found Nick's videos on there. And he was basically at that time going off about GTO and how it was more or less impossible to memorize. And like the community at large was going down this rabbit hole that just wasn't really going to work. Mm-hmm. And I I basically identified it later was that he just kind of made this process for making decisions in a way that really simplified things for me. So like he was in this video, he was talking to this guy who was like debating this river call or fold. And the dude was going down this long list of random combo declaring and not coming to a decision. And Nick basically just said like, so does it seem like, do you think that the population is over bluffing in this exact zone? And the guy said no. So then she said, okay, so then just fold. Yeah, right. And that's so, something yeah. it, like Tony Robbins says that the enemy of execution is complexity. And the mistake that a lot of people make when they're entering the poker sphere is they just want to add massive amounts of complexity to their strategy and then they can't execute it, right? And another thing that you know I've learned is that the best poker players – don't do a great they don't have like better processing power in their brains than the lesser players they're just much better at prioritizing information and seeing what ought to be a priority and then choosing that instead of the other options and like what you just said there that nick did was he just showed you know this is the priority uh, in this spot that you ought to be thinking about all the rest of the stuff is just noise right Right. And, you know, thinking about all these random things, like how many combos of five, six suited does he have? It's just like a waste of time and it's not helping you actually come to a decision. And basically, since we kind of know human beings are very risk averse, it just so happens that these random thoughts that you have are going to lead you to a decision that you already wanted to do subconsciously, which is fold or not bluff or something like that. Confirmation bias, right? We're just going to whatever we want to do, we're just going to figure out the path that leads us to making that decision that makes us feel good inside. Right. And so that was really the initial thing that sort of hooked me into poker detox is sort of this paradoxical belief system that becoming simpler actually makes us more accurate. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that, right? That's what all my training methodology 
is built on is like simplifying so that guys can execute um, simplifying so that people don't screw things up. <laughs> you know, they don't just, yeah. <laughs> they don't just make mistake after mistake after mistake. And, you know, so Nick um, with his mass data analysis, poker detox, you hook up with them. What did your trajectory look like when you joined that stable? What stakes were you playing? How long did it take you to find success? It happened pretty quickly. I think I really clicked into the culture and with Nick and the execs and just the strategy um, and essentially moved up from 100 NL to 510 in about six months. Mm. Um, did very well there and basically got up to 1020 a couple months after that. So basically it went from small stakes to high stakes in less than a year. That's pretty good. Yeah, I've seen better. That's a, <laughs> that's a pretty good pretty progression. It, what's funny, by the way, you know, knowing you, knowing your story, wanting to be a filmmaker, which, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but like film shows anything like that is all about emotion, right? Like there's a huge emotional component, capturing emotions, conv- telling stories that make people feel emotions. And so it kind of leads me to believe that the way that you're constructed is more of an intuitive person, right? Like you have a higher emotional IQ than the normal human being. Is that accurate? Well, I think it definitely gives me a particular perspective in the poker industry because it's very rare that I meet other people that are interested in explicitly creative things because it's usually more like I'm a poker player, but then I want to do investing or mergers and acquisitions or something scientific or entrepreneurial. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't really see successful online poker players that are also creative. So it does give me a different perspective, which I think I also bring into the poker detox company as well. Yeah, for sure. And that makes a lot of sense as to why GTO was not resonating with you, right? Like why these purely analytical strategies were causing you to be frustrated because like that plays against your strength as a human being. It, I mean, it probably contributed to it. Yeah. And I think it's hard for everyone too, in all fairness, (laughs) it's hard for everyone. Right. But like some people are just naturally more analytical than other people. Some people just Mm -hmm. naturally gravitate and the analytical side resonates with them. And then other people like human incentives resonate with them. And that allows Mm -hmm. them to build a, a, a solid poker strategy. And like, it's just whoever you are, like people are constructed differently with different personalities. And one of the, one of the things that I think is short-sighted as it relates to poker training is like trying to fit everybody in the same box. Like <laughs> yeah. everybody ought to start here with the theory, even if it doesn't resonate with you at all. Right. Like even if it doesn't make sense, <laughs> yeah. just do it anyway, because that's what you need to do. Right. Yeah. A big piece of advice that I give to newer players is that you need to study in a way that's interesting for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you're going to get way more out of study habits that are interesting for you. And it's going to make for a more sustainable career. Absolutely. So now I've kind of circled back and I use PO a lot, but I tell people just because you see me winning a lot of money and you see me using PO doesn't mean that you need to do it that way. You need to play in the style that you want to and learn in the way that's going to make sense for you. Yeah. PO, PIO, not yeah, exactly sure how, how you pronounce it, but you know, it's a great resource if you're good enough to ask it great questions. And if right. you're not good enough to ask it great questions, it is a horrible resource. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, I was basically burned so badly by it in the beginning that I'm very sensitive to not rabbit hole. So, yeah. Yeah. It's it's so easy to ask a bad question. Like I was breaking down a hand in one of my poker coaching videos uh, the other day that was like solving for this specific spot. And like we got to the flop after I input uh, optimal preflop ranges in for both players and like my opponent, I know they had queen five suited, right? Like it went to showdown. They had exactly queen five of diamonds and like Pio didn't even have queen five of diamonds in their preflop range. So it's like, how useful is this in this situation when the preflop range is already wrong, right? Like you're probably not going to get the answer that gives you, um, you know, the information you're seeking for looking at it from this direct lens. Yeah. I mean, I think it's that sort of contracted focus that holds a lot of the industry back, especially with the coaching industry to the extent that I'm aware of it. Um, I was working with someone that basically told me their previous coach was like wasting their time with like a bunch of Sims and like figuring out what to do with pocket threes in this exact situation. And I'm just, you know, I'm already rolling my eyes like, yep, you basically learned nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a kid, I wanted to move up from 200 NL to a h- higher stakes. So I bought coaching from this mid stakes coach and I think this person meant very well. And at the time I thought it was awesome, but our coaching was basically just reviewing random hand histories that I marked and discussing it. And it's just like, it felt, I I guess it's sort of like confirmation bias wants you to believe you're the type of person that makes good investments. So you don't want to believe that you just wasted your time, but it was just like, I kind of learned nothing from that in retrospect. It didn't really challenge my, pre-existing beliefs i didn't learn really useful new strategies that i brought to it it was more like just talking about hand histories with a friend yeah i mean this is kind of the i think it's like where people go wrong is that they think that like just because they play poker at a high level means that they're automatically qualified to coach poker at a high level and they're just different skill sets like you have to invest energy into learning how to coach and how to transfer knowledge effectively and how to teach people from the perspective that they're operating on exactly right just because guys just because guys uh, are playing at a high level doesn't mean that they're a great coach and sometimes guys that aren't the highest level players are great coaches because they have a different skill set so like yeah it's i think one of the things that coaches in the industry just they haven't invested enough time into like asking the question how do i improve as a coach how do i become the best coach that i can possibly be i just i mean it's a little negative to say i but i guess i assume they just kind of don't care and they're just doing it as a sort of opportunistic and easy venture and that i have a success it would be easy to cash in on that using my graph and get some low variance income but it's I don't really get the sense that people take their coaching as seriously as they do with their playing. They don't. Trying to be them. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. And like, I know, like, I know you're trying to be a little politically correct and not sound negative, but what you said is like spot on. Like that's the goal. The goal is just to get clients. Oh, I don't have to be politically correct. I mean, most coaches are just terrible at their jobs. Hey man. I mean, <laughs> I, I think that like, we got to call a spade a spade, yeah. right? We're trying to give out good information. And like the reality is, most coaches don't do a good enough job. They just don't. 
Yeah, and it's hard. It's hard to navigate. I, and I mean, I I get it. And they feel like they have these skills and they have something of value, but they don't really treat it as its own separate discipline. And maybe it's because they've never thought to do so. I mean, the person that I received coaching from, I totally believe that he did it the whole thing out of like the goodness. Like he was trying to do a good job. He just never thought about how useless this was. Yeah, he he never thought about how to coach. And yeah. Again, I think it's just like an assumption you make, right? Like, I'm really good at this. Therefore, I ought to be able to teach people. Um, Pretty easy for me to teach them because I'm the crusher at my stake when you don't realize it's just a different – communication is way different. Like, you know, I love Jungle Man. I can't imagine (laughs) getting a coaching session from Jungle Man. Like, it it would be like, (laughs) you know. But, yeah, it's it's different skill sets. And, like, anybody that's listening out there – Taking a mind, like choose a coach, choose multiple coaches, get one-off mm. sessions from multiple people and f- figure out the person that resonates with you the best, right? There's no reason to I totally agree. Yeah, find one guy and stick with them. Like try out because sometimes it's just, just not a good fit either, right? Like student coach, um, they don't operate on the same level as it relates to like how they think about the game. And sometimes you just need somebody that resonates with you. It's it's really important that you find your tribe, especially to make this a, a sustainable career. Because I mean, especially for the guys that are in their early twenties, it's going to be really hard for you to continuously do this. From my own experience and the people that I've seen, they get to their late twenties and thirties that are just like burnt out by the game. You kind of need to find your people. And I mean, I wasn't considering doing any staking or coaching when I did the run at once subscription and found Nick. It was just like whoa this guy's really resonating with me. So I'm going to actually try this out just because I want to work with this person specifically. And, you know, you mentioned tribe there, like you got involved with detox within like eight months, you go from 200 to 2k. And I mean, it's not, you know, that's not a coincidence, right? Like getting it, hooking up with those people, give you different perspectives and just allow you to skyrocket your growth. Yeah, I mean, there's a level of logic to it, which was like, you know, I I haven't been, if I was going to be really successful and make it to high stakes, then I would have already done it by now. So I was willing to, you know, break the mold of what I was already doing and try new things in order to move up. Yeah, if if where you're at is a result of eight years of you doing exactly what you wanted to do, well, <laughs> probably in eight years from now, you're going to be exactly where you're at today, right? Yeah. Jason. Tell me about presence. Why did you think presence was the missing weapon in the arsenal of poker players? So everyone's a mindset champion when they're running great, right? But when you're getting crushed day after day and you haven't booked a win in forever and the confidence is just gone and you're trying to do this thing that you read about in a book or someone told you about being logical and being happy that the money went in good when all you really want to do is cry and hit something at the same time, Like, how are you supposed to be logical in that moment? But that's the only moment when you really need it. What you need in that moment isn't mindset. You've already read all the mindset books and you already know what you're supposed to think and what you're supposed to do. What you actually need in that moment is presence. Presence is the ability to connect the dots between who you want to be and how you can actually be that person when you need it most. So let's cut to the chase, right? Like, how do you do it? How do you stay more present when you're at the poker table? Well, you get there by first deciding that you want more, right? That you want to grow your intuition, that you want to create more flow in your life. 
and that you want to reach your full potential as a player and as a person. And once you get there, you can start trying out some of the exercises and practices that I've put together. If it feels good, if you're enjoying it, you can keep going. Right? And if you keep going long enough, eventually you'll find that you're just playing at really high levels, that you feel good with low stress, and you're enjoying your experience a lot more. Not just at the table, but away from it as well. I personally would love to have as much presence as I possibly can in my day-to-day life. And if you, the listener, right now wants to add some presence to your game, visit PokerWithPresence.com. Join Jason Sue's email newsletter and then schedule a free consult with the Master of Presence himself. One more time, that's pokerwithpresence.com. So you're moving into the coaching sphere, is that correct? That is right. All right, tell me about that. Like, why did you decide to move into the coaching sphere from playing on a daily basis? <laughs> well, I, to be, to be totally honest, I feel like I have three jobs right now because I'm still playing high stakes online. Um, but I'm also working with Poker Detox. Um, I now basically have shares in the company and they've hired me as like a strategy coach. And one of their, I, my title is player advocate as well because I'm trying to like really focus on the community stuff that I was talking before. Um, so I'm working with Poker Detox on a daily basis as well um, and helping their guys out, coming up with new strategy content. And then what kind of came as a result of that is meeting Jason Sue, who is my partner in, in this coaching company. Uh, we met through Poker Detox and decided that we kind of wanted to have our own separate thing where Poker Detox seemed to be more oriented towards finding guys that were a bit lower stakes and hadn't found the same success in poker yet, like where I was and wanted to move up. We thought it would be interesting to sort of target very successful players that wanted to go from being good to great or elite players. Yeah. And are you still on stake with Poker Detox? Like when when we hung out in March, you were, but I don't know if anything's changed. Um, No, I sell a small piece of action to them at 1020, but I, I don't really need to. And I could just call it off, but. Essentially, I'm not on stake anymore. Yeah, you're giving back. I mean, you know, you're giving back to the community that you attribute to a lot of your success, right? There's, I think that that's a very genuinely good thing to do. Yeah, I mean, it it made it makes perfect sense because when you find your tribe, you don't just arbitrarily leave. You know, it's probably not a great idea. You find people that you want to stick with. I mean, honestly, Nick and his brother and their business partner all invited to my wedding. <laughs> so it's a pretty tight knit group. For sure. Um, like, so yeah, I'm very happy with it. Yeah. I mean, like me and Nick have collaborated on a number of pieces of content. We hung out last March. I would run through a wall for Nick, right? Like we're not on contract w- with each other. Right. But like, yeah, if he called me and asked me for yeah. anything, um, I would help him out. Like, I think that when you find people like that, that, you really relate to that add value to your life. You're just willing to do whatever you can to support them. Yeah. Those are just the most important relationships that you can make. And it's very special to find that in something like poker. I agree. Like another, another nugget of wisdom for the listener is like, don't just go into something with the thought of how much can I take from this community? How much can I take from this coach? Like, 
be in a giving mindset, like give value as much as you get it. Because I see a lot of people that, you know, they're like, how do I find these people? How do I get, gain these relationships? Like, well, you don't just ask random questions to a random human being that you've never interacted with, right? Like you join their community, you provide value, and then they'll give back to you, right? Like that's how relationships work. So Right. Yeah. And that's basically what happened for me is that I more or less treated poker detox as a player like I was on the exec team. And then once my contract was over, it just made complete sense to just make me an executive because I was already doing it. Yeah. You're providing tons of value. So it's like mm-hmm. the no brainer of all no brainers. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me about tell me about Big Bet U because I know that's your that's you and Jason Sue's partnership. Mm-hmm. What what kind of offerings are y'all do y'all have? Well, one appeal to what we're doing is that we're okay. Well, we're working with very small groups of people. Like we've been working with maybe two, three, two to three people at a time, and coaching them so that they can go from like five, ten winners to ten, twenty crushers and make mid six figures. The main appeal to this that I've seen where people really resonated with it is they just love this idea of working in a very small group where they get a ton of personal attention and can have someone kind of cultivate their growth to where they want to go. Because for the most part with poker training, it's sort of like uh, a lot of CFPs and stables these days. And so you know that you're going to get kind of cast into this big pool and you don't think you're going to get that type of one-on-one attention. I mean, I'm not going to call out specific names, but I was talking to someone that was saying like, you know, uh, I'm on a, in a stable 200 people and they're sort of like an absentee landlord. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, okay, so that's not exactly what you're looking for. And so when you kind of get that one-on-one attention, it's more expensive, obviously, especially from a very elite player, but it also gives you a lot of comfort in knowing like this is very likely to work and you're getting the best of the best. Yeah, I mean, there's like general general poker feedback that you can get from like making a video and presenting it to people. And then like the one-to-one private coaching is like very specific feedback exactly on th- what this person is doing and the upgrades that this person can make. So it is more valuable. And like you said, it's hard to scale, right? Like I made a business model of a poker staking operation because i was interested i actually had an investor and (laughs) looking at the business model the only takeaway that i had was holy shit how does nick do this because (laughs) there is almost no room for error like it the the margins are super slim right and like you just can't pay somebody 200 bucks an hour to coach all of your guys uh you know once or twice a week it's just not feasible no not at all um it's it's pretty crazy and <laughs> just being there on the day to day i feel like i learn a lot about business um just being there and being there for all these decisions and how to make this work very it's very interesting but the good thing about what i'm doing is that it i don't really even care about making it scalable because i get a lot of satisfaction out of just working with a small group of guys and leaving it at that yeah i mean i think that that's a great way to go about it right like you're operating from a perspective of like what you want to gain out of it and not from like, how can I make this thing as big as possible? And more folks ought to have that kind of vision in their day-to-day life where they don't end up chasing something that they don't even really want to end up with 
you know you know what i mean like they catch it and they're yeah. like oh great I, this wasn't even the thing that i was after yeah i mean you kind of start with what your principles are what's in your integrity and i want to work and co- work with great players and cultivate their talents and skills and build these relationships and it would be pretty silly to try to do that in some sort of big capacity especially when i'm already working with poker detox so if i was greedy then i i think it would 100% blow up in my face oh you, you, there's not enough time in the day you would just yeah. burn out and you'd end up burning everything to the ground and just playing cards <laughs> yeah what do you think have been the biggest fears and obstacles that have stood in your path to poker success i guess i wish that i had recognized earlier in that i it's really kind of important to invest in yourself in particular just investing in quality coaching and finding the tribe all this stuff i mean most i spent more of my career being middle of the road than i did being successful so i just kind of spent a lot of time not being as good as i could have been because I'm the same person. I had these skills inside me all along, and I kind of sensed it intuitively. But it took until I was in my mid-20s, I guess, to actually find my tribe and go all in on that. So um, I think for other people, it can be kind of maybe in some ways a hit to their ego to admit that they need help or that they need to invest money and sometimes invest a lot of money. But I think that's just kind of the way to go, because if you're not if you don't have any other way to kind of break the paradigm that you're already in and you haven't had the success that you want, then nothing is going to change until you make that kind of leap. Absolutely not. And pro tip as it relates to like coaches charging for their training, coaches charge um, on the value that they think they're worth, not the value that they're actually worth. And so I know there are a lot of coaches out there that dramatically undercharge for the work that they do as it relates to giving value to their community, their students, the energy that they invest. So like it can be just a total steal getting the perfect coach at a lower price point that just takes you from that middle of the road type player to like Mm -hmm. staking up five X over the course of, you know, just like six months or so. Yeah, I would suggest to anyone that feels like their career is stagnating that they kind of look, take a look at the industry, find all the different coaching offerings and stables and all that stuff and look for their content. Usually they have some kind of free content that you can assess and just go with your gut and see what's resonating with you, see what seems like a good idea and just give it a shot for some period of time. 100%. And try multiple guys. Just mm-hmm. keep try and try and try until you find your your coaching soulmate. What's the most unexpected thing that's come from your poker journey? I didn't expect it to <laughs> to work this well. I mean, it seems like a weird thing to say, but it's like when you spend a majority of your time playing small to mid stakes, and it just seems like playing this high and having the success is like a fantasy. But then just seeing it actually happen and like have the life that it's provided has been pretty insane where now I can live in Los Angeles and at the beach and feel like I have this fancy life or something. And it just came from playing a card game. So it's just like my fiance and I are constantly pinching ourselves. Yeah. How does it make you feel knowing that like you, you've got an out a direct path to your future career and realizing all those dreams. Well, I try not to focus too much on the, filmmaking stuff in the future because i know 
it'll happen eventually, but I just want to enjoy the life that I have now, you know? So overall, I just feel a ton of gratitude for the situation that I'm in. Awesome, man. What what does your daily process look like for improving your game? And if we could even go back to like pre-poker detox, like you could be as granular as you want to be. <laughs> I mean, pre-poker, pre-detox, I mean, I was just kind of grinding solvers and like trying to memorize things and like look for these patterns. And it, it was just, it was not a really smart study process. It was just too much random and history review and stuff like that. These days, I pretty much spend all my time before 4 p.m. working on poker coaching stuff because 1020 is not really running that much during the daytime in the United States. And when I'm doing that, it's just kind of a bunch of strategy creation, one-on-one coaching, database reviews. Um, I don't really do a ton of... <laughs> I basically do zero hand single hand history reviews with other people. So I kind of have the the coaching has really helped. It's really forced me to have a structure for my study because I'm constantly constantly needing to explain things to other people, which is has a positive effect. J- Jason and I have talked about that before. Yeah, tell me about your your coaching methodology then. Like what is your coaching methodology methodology look like? You get a one-to-one student, they come to you. How do you prep? Yeah. I mean, I would say so, like, let's say I was coaching my old self. <laughs> One way that I would probably rip my old self apart is, like, you know, you're trying to play, theor- like, some sort of GTO strategy, but at no no point in any part of your database are you even playing close to that. So a lot of it is, like, all right, I'm going to have them send me a big database of their hands and going to filter out basically every line in- to some sort of minute degree and see, like, okay, you're overfolding here, 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 here. You're not buffing enough here, here, here. And then you you have these lines and you go into the individual hand histories like, okay, so the reason that you're overfolding in the aggregate in this line is you're not identifying that you need to defend more versus one third C bet here. So I need you to recognize like when you have this back door, you can't fold back doors anymore. So it's this very deliberate practice where it's like, we kind of have these overall idea that you fold too much. And it goes down one more layer where there's five or 10 different lines where you're not, where you're folding too much. And then within those lines, you're just missing these principles. And so it's kind of drilling down the macro to micro. Yeah, that's great. You're you're finding the exact leaks and then you're zooming in to resolve those exact leaks, looking for the why these leaks are occurring and then giving Mm -hmm. structure to resolving them. Right. And so you wind up hopefully not telling this person how they should play pocket threes in a specific scenario, but it's coming from this overarching principle where like, okay, I am folding too much um, and building out these like heuristics or basic attitudes towards the game that they're trying to embody almost. I love that. It's more, it's it's more upgrading their poker philosophy that sort of helps their game overall as a whole instead of like you said like the targeted one-to-one like the the individual hand histories right like that ultra zoomed in approach it's like Um, you said before is that you're really trying to select what's most important and what they should focus on and so it's like all right i'm going to give you the most important principles that you should be focusing on based off of how you're already screwing it up (laughs) (laughs) i mean some people it's kind of it's almost funny 
when you do these reviews with people where it's like, okay, so you realize you're overfolding by 25% in this zone. And they're like, yeah, I, I kind of knew that, but I was just didn't get around to doing it. And I was like, you didn't get around to fixing a gigantic leak. <laughs> so I, I don't even, I can't even comprehend some of the explanations people might come up with sometimes, but once they get on board with what I'm saying, it's a life changer. Yeah. They're like repainting their boat and just ignoring this giant <laughs> hole in the middle of their ship. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I totally get it. You feel like being a lone wolf in your poker journey has hamstrung your ability to realize your full potential. So I'm about to give you a golden opportunity to plug into a supportive tribe that will be the poker family you've always wished you had. How much money would you give for one hour of interactive group coaching led by myself, Coach Thomas, and occasionally past guests of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. For now, and this will absolutely change at some point in the near future, the price of admission to the Live Poker Power Hour is 100% free. All you've got to do to get your invite is head to ChasingPokerGreatness.com and hop on the VIP newsletter. No more excuses, no more procrastination. It's time to take action and put yourself in position to turn your poker dreams into reality. I hope to see that beautiful face of yours in just a couple of days. What do you think is the most high impact action players can take to improve their game? Well, I think I've touched on a couple of different things before, like getting into the poker coaching and review. I mean, really, even if you don't have um, a coach to review your database, I mean, you could at least review your own database and see if you could it takes a little bit of technical ability because you need to know how to use PO to figure out what the theoretical um, defenses are. But just kind of looking for where you're overfolding and where you're underaggressing and all this stuff. And basically, I think every professional should at the least be making an attempt to play at the baseline. So don't arbitrarily just start overfolding <laughs> or underaggressing and then just never addressing it because that's something that I didn't really do. Like I yeah. would look at stats in a vague way, but I don't think I ever, it never occurred to me to be that granular and deliberate about the way that I studied. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to be overfolding 20%, you better have a damn good reason why. Like <laughs> it, it should not just be totally yeah. arbitrary. Mm -hmm. When you think about joy in your career playing cards, what's the first memory that comes to mind? The first memory? I mean, probably when I was like, I don't know, a kid or something, and I like banked a thousand dollars in this MTT that was really small, and it was like, I mean, it would be like as if I won a million dollars today or something. It was like obscene. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's sort of first taste of success, but that's also like MTTs can kind of breed that where you just win an obscene amount of money all at once. Yeah, it's hard to replicate, um, like you know. 10,000 Xing your bankroll in one tournament. Like just I mean, cash one game. bank. Cash games are so different. Obviously, it's just set up to be more of a monotonous grind. Yeah, I agree. And I've always been attracted to the cash game streets. So, you know, not going to have a day where I just win $500,000 playing, you know, 1K and L. I know. <laughs> it's, it's fine. <laughs> I, it, because obviously, the alternative is like you just spend most of your career not doing that. And then, yeah. You spend the first half before then losing $350,000 before you hit the 500K, right? right. Um, 
So I'll ask you the opposite question then. When you think about pain in your career playing cards, what's the first memory that comes to mind? I think it was probably trying to play this GTO strategy and breaking even for an extended period of time. And I had spent most of my time playing poker winning when I played. So it was pretty difficult because I was trying as hard as I could and I didn't really understand what I was doing wrong. So there's definitely a lot of pain that kind of went into that frustration of not being able to improve and not knowing even how to improve. Absolutely. You're like Nick's prototypical guy that he, <laughs> that he onboards, right? The people that... Well, see, the thing is that he put my application on the Poker Detox webpage as like an example <laughs> at one point. And I said, I'm literally the poster child. Yeah, you are like his exact avatar of the perfect person to join Poker Detox. You would think, but he also, I got declined for joining Poker Detox twice in a row. So I had to apply three times to get on. Uh, that's more of like a talent talent um evaluation problem i think on nick's part <laughs> I, I i don't think it's anything against you i think that's nick nick, nick needed to upgrade his um, no i just think it's funny because it's their biggest winning player by a wide margin got denied by the team twice in a row yeah i mean you know but that it, it's self-selecting because it's like the, the gritty person would not be discouraged that's true like if you were more fragile you would have given up after the first time mm-hmm. never never have applied for the second time and for the love of God, never the third. <laughs> oh God, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I trusted my instincts and what I felt was the right thing to do. So I just said, all right, I'll just keep knocking on the door until somebody answers. Hey man, uh, my hat's off to you because apparently it worked out very well for you <laughs> and very well for Nick. Yeah, very true. What's something you feel folks who are chasing their poker dreams don't spend enough time thinking about? I think a really important part of being successful in poker is having a real belief in yourself too, because you're not going to be able to succeed unless you first believe that you can actually do it because it took a lot of confidence even to, you know, apply to poker detox three times in a row. I mean, I wouldn't do that if I didn't have some sort of belief driving me forward so that, you know, thinking I could actually do it. And I wrote out this tweet recently, kind of (laughs) putting the poker community on blast for being too negative. And it's just like, if you surround yourself with negative people and negative ideas, then it's just going to make you think that you can't do it. So my advice for people is just don't quit. If you're having, if you're struggling, but you believe that you can do it inside, then don't quit. Because if you don't believe in yourself, then no one's going to believe in you first and foremost. And the, the kind of the path to success is actually even if there isn't evidence for it is believing that you're the greatest before <laughs> you've had the evidence in front of you. Yeah. Because that's going to get up. you excited. That's you need to be excited about your career. Like you, your life is important enough that you deserve to be excited about your career and stop thinking that two big blinds for 100 at small stakes or whatever is the, the best that you're going to be able to do. Or like you're aspiring to win at four BBs at 500 zoom, like fuck 500 zoom. Like you should be crushing high stakes poker. I mean, you have every reason to believe this. And I just hope that, you know, more, more players would stop, you know, like they're playing on defense almost. Like they play their entire career on defense, trying not to lose and maybe putting more attention on actually trying to win, trying to crush the game, you know, recognizing that Linus Love, he's just a fucking kid. 
I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on this podcast. You can curse as much as you want, sir. I don't have anything against the guy, but it's it's just like he's just a fucking kid. Stop worshiping him. You're as good as him. You could be as good as him. Um, Absolutely. So yeah. yeah, I mean, so many greatness bombs there. Like that's just it's so pivotal, right? People put these self-limiting beliefs on themselves and like i saw in a discord the other day somebody was like you can't beat micro stakes unless you're an expert at solvers right and i'm just like what are these people talking about like what are they saying like you know i have somebody like mark herm on dipthrong and like he's been in the game for as long as me and like last year he only plays tournaments on sundays and he was up 1.5 billion in the first six months of last year like Mm -hmm. and he he hates solvers he actively antagonizes people for loving (laughs) solvers right and it's like how does this human exist like if everything that the general consensus believes about poker is true mark herm should not exist in the world right like so stop limiting yourself believe that you're able to beat this game have some self-belief that you're going to be able to figure it out and just fucking get in there and do the work yeah, and it's really important too because you're not going to be willing to invest in your poker career if you don't believe you can be successful. So I said that was an important part of it. I mean, are you going to be willing to invest thousands of dollars? Or like if you're working with a top coach, I mean, it could be tens of thousands of dollars um, depending on where you're at in your poker career. So if you don't believe you're going to be successful, are you going to make that investment or not? Yeah, if no. you don't believe you're going to be successful, what are you going to do the 150th time you get your teeth knocked out? Like, are you going to get up again to, to go back to battle? Like you have to have that self-belief. Like when your whole world is burning around you and like you're on the downswing of downswings and you can't figure it out and everything that you choose is wrong. Like you need that self-belief to power through, to make it to the next upswing. Right. Yeah. So if you're sitting there saying, well, that's great, but I'm not confident. That's why it's important to find the good community is investing in those good relationships with people that are going to pick you up when you're down and have a positive word of encouragement at a, at an important time is really crucial. Yeah. There's not a small number of people who are, who are sitting there just waiting to tear you down, right? (laughs) Like it is super, it is so much easier to tear everybody down than it is to build people up. And you just have to surround yourself with people who are going to build you up, like who are going to hold you accountable. They're not going to let you get away with making mistakes, but they're also not going to just totally destroy you and try to take you apart at every step of the way either. Right. Totally true. Um, What's some common poker advice you hear that you completely disagree with? (laughs) Well, I guess it probably to stay on theme, it's all... just this obsession with GTO and playing theoretically optimal, but you're not focusing enough on the learning process and what's really implementable by people. Um, And when you look at mass data, it's like, I mean, I'm sorry, but like you tell me that high stakes is GTO, we can look and see literally that it's not, and it's not even close. So which is it? Yep. People just like believing things. Like people just want to believe stuff, even if it's not true. Like they, they want answers and like, they, they just accept answers that like are clearly not, not true, but. I guess people just value intelligence too much. And like, they just equate GTO and all this theory stuff with being very intelligent and want to be seen that way. And 
it's like it's so laughably stupid when they think like oh linus love he he is the solver he's doing all, i'm sure like linus is like insanely like using insane exploitative strategies you I have mean, to just, that's how you yeah. get win rate like that's where win rate comes from i mean do you think isildur is playing gto i mean there's a reason that he's one of the most maniacally aggressive players in like <laughs> in poker like him and Dwan, and they also had like these insane results like they're not playing gto yeah they're just playing better than their opponents they're exploiting the flaws and the mistakes in their opponents games over and over and over again they're you know I did like an intro to GTO course. This is probably like five or six years ago. And like one of the first things that the guy who was talking about it said was like, the reason that we use GTO is to make our opponent's decisions not matter. And as soon as that statement left his mouth, I thought this is the dumbest thing I have ever heard. Like, why would I ever like, when is the goal to me make a decision and then not care what my opponent does? Right? Like that's, that's, that's so silly to me it was just all it just felt silly even from the jump like way back then <laughs> yeah i mean i guess just trying to sound smart or something i mean truthfully like i and i don't want to make it sound like i think that there's no place for using a solver at any point because i mean i'd be lying i use po every day but i use it in a very specific way where i'm helping having it help me understand like the entire Entire game tree and like the principles that are motivating things rather than focusing on one granular like aspect of it you're extracting the logic and then you can apply Mm -hmm. the logic broadly and that helps you because i think what will happen is people say like oh well this person he's a mass data guy so he's just betting you know his entire range in this spot for this and he doesn't know anything about the game but with the people that i've coached pretty much say that i know as much about gto as anyone else they've worked with um yeah but it's it's not about how much knowledge that i have it's about my perspective and principles and how i'm using it so it's like what you're focusing on yep if you believe something different than matt good luck i would like to see you two debate the merits of gto like in a public setting i'll arrange it actually i'll set that up (laughs) it's okay i don't want to be too confrontational i mean (laughs) (laughs) we all have our own tribes i mean some people have a lot of success with it i mean my message really is more for people that haven't had success with it i mean if you're ben solsky then by all means continue doing what you're doing but i think more often than not people are not able to succeed with that perspective it's like we said before you know solsky you know sauce he's a freak like he's just a freak (laughs) of freak of a human being like he's clearly on the more analytical side and like it just makes a lot of sense as to why Pio would appeal to him just because of how he's naturally born and constructed. Yeah, I mean, there's an element to that. I think there's, I also, I'm just personally avoiding because I don't want to make Solsky the new Linus on the other side of it where it's like, <laughs> oh, it's all about talent in life. So, there's just I more mean, than one way to skin a cat. There's more yeah. than one way to improve at poker and just go about it in the way that makes sense to you. That makes, like you said earlier, makes it a, an enjoyable, fun learning experience. Right, for sure. We'll move on to the lightning round here. Oh, good. <laughs> and then wrap up. If you could gift all poker players one book to read, what would it be and why? Poker with Presence by Jason Sue. <laughs> uh, I really. Shameless plug. I didn't write it. 
I stand. I stand. He's your nothing business to partner, though. He's your <laughs> business so partner. True. Uh, I really haven't read any good poker books in a long time, so I actually liked Poker with Presence. Though. No, no, yeah. Talk about. I'm just messing around. I, yeah. We did. A, we have a book club in my private community, and like we chose Poker with Presence as our book, and so many people have talked about just the massive amount of value that they've gained from reading it. So. Yeah. Okay. So if I would give a strategy answer, I think. Janza's latest book, like Applications of Hold'em 2 or something like that, was probably the closest attempt at anything that seemed like, I don't know, even worth reading. Like there was, there were ways that it actually tried to explain the principles of the game that I liked. So that would probably be a decent book for someone. But cool. with mindset, um, I mean, it's not that hard to even understand. It's just like your your outcomes in life are dictated by your decisions and your decisions are dictated by your mind. So if you can be present and try to make the best decisions you can, <laughs> you're going to have the best outcomes. And Jason is just amazing with all that. Absolutely. Like, and he's absolutely right. Like the more present you are, the better decisions you make, the better results you get. It's not, it's not exactly rocket science, but people, people can overthink it, you know? Yeah. If you could wave a magic wand, change one thing about poker, what would it be? <laughs> change one thing about poker. Uh, I wish that the <laughs> the US market was more regulated and I could play nosebleeds and high stakes. You could always go to Canada. You got that option. Nah. I don't <laughs> know. I like I like LA. Yeah. You just you just got to go there like Jason Kuhn for like you know, the winters or something here. We've, we've talked about that, but it would just be more convenient for me. I mean, if I can wish it, I mean, like, yeah, that's if, true. What, yeah. If I could have like <laughs> 100, 200 available, give Linus a run for his money, you know, whatever. <laughs> Let's roll, man. I'm down. Uh, that, that I want to see. Like, yeah, and I, I think that, like, overall, obviously, US poker being legalized and regulated in the US is just, you know, it's good for everybody. <laughs> yeah. If you could erect a billboard, Every poker player's got to drive past on the way to the casino. What's it say? Now, see, I feel like the important thing that I want to convey is like having the self belief. But in my head, I'm like, man, if I passed a billboard that said something like <laughs> "believe in yourself," I'd laugh. it's like too corny to even say. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It'd probably be more something like "poker is more than GTO," and leave it at that. There you go. You, you're trying to, you know, tying into the fabric of the theme of this episode yeah (laughs) um what's your current big goal as related to poker well i guess the next poker goal is hit a million dollars in profits and starting with detox on our way on your way yeah it's only a matter of time should be by the end of the next year should be done already there you go man so You'll have to come up with another big goal once you reach that one. Yeah, just keep coming up with new goals just to keep <laughs> the carrot and the stick. Yeah, you need yeah. something, right? Like, you need something to drive you. Maybe it's $5 million, $10 million. $5 million. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. It's I'm hard for you because you have a couple more good years in poker. And then yeah, you don't have on. the ability to play the stakes where you can, you know, yeah. make, make $3 million. Yeah, that's the good thing about poker coaching for me on a logistical standpoint is that I can't even realistically grind 10, 20 um, during the daytime. So I have this block of time that's semi-open to begin with. So it helps me kind of optimize my schedule 
Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It's complimentary for you too, right? Like, right. L- like you said, you think about these spots, you think about transferring the information, you think about communication, you think about coaching better. You just improve your own game as a side effect of that. Right. Now, if I had the other wish where I could play 25, 50 and 50, 100, then, <laughs> then we could up that goal. But yeah. Agreed. And you, you may not be doing as much coaching if you had access to those games <laughs> earlier in the day either. That's very true. <laughs> or maybe um, I'd still do it. Yeah, maybe. You never know. Like it's, uh, again, There's emotional benefits to doing it. Massive emotional benefits to helping I wouldn't people be having out. this conversation, I don't think, if it wasn't for me being so involved in the community in the way that I am. You wouldn't want to. <laughs> yeah, I guess I wouldn't. <laughs> you would have no reason to be here. Yeah. I'd be locked away. Mm-hmm. You'd be just, grind, lo- yeah. just locked in your room, grinding 24 hours a day. Yeah. Uh, making a mere $2 million or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what those guys make in those weights. You probably don't want to think about it too hard, honestly. Yeah. What's a project you're working on right now that's near and dear to your heart? I think working as the player advocate for Poker Detox. Um, what does that mean? So basically with Poker Detox, it's, I mean, it's been very successful. And so the stable has been growing a lot. Um, and as a result, like, and you, you talked about this yourself, like you're just one person as the CEO. You can't just coach everyone. And so what could happen that we thought is like, you know, if there's not enough boots on the ground, keeping track of the players and what they really need, they're going to feel like that other guy I was talking about before, where it was just like, you know, it's an absentee landlord thing. So my, I mean, I guess my goal is to make sure that the players are happy, that they feel like they matter, that they're connected to good coaches, that they have the best strategy content possible and that it's organized and really just kind of being like the union leader of the the poker players. I mean, that's, such a nick thing to do right because like you understand poker players we need that motivation we need to feel like you know somebody's behind us somebody's in our corner that we don't want to feel like we're being neglected volume goes down win rate goes down so like it's good for morale of the troops and it's also good for the bottom line of the business as well yeah so much of it is about connection and that's what nick understands better than pretty much anyone in the poker industry right now, at least that's running any kind of coaching company is just the importance of connection and not just paying lip service to it, but also investing in doing so. Yep. Nick, Nick is not just a Nick cares. Like it's insane. Like he's someone actually cares. Like how did that happen? Yeah. Like Nick genuinely cares about all of his guys struggles. Like, and it doesn't matter if it's like you who's like, you know, the biggest breadwinner at poker detox or one of the lower level level guys that's struggling. He just genuinely loves helping people. And like, that's one of the characteristics as to why I personally love Nick so much and would do anything for him. Cause I just see like, he just cares about his fellow human beings and resolving their suffering and showing them a better path. And like, it's just, you know, it's everything you want in a leader. Yeah. He's very special in poker detoxes as a result as well, because if he didn't, prioritize those things then i wouldn't be involved i would have just left yep and now you're losing out on huge talent and then the whole thing just is going to collapse it's just better all around right it's just better in and every single facet loyal. oh like, yeah of course so they are oil so positive it's a really great community 
It's actually turning into a really big poker detox commercial, but I'm well, just saying what I believe. Hey, man, um, we just speak our own truths, right? Yeah. And how we feel about stuff. And like Poker Detox is a great organization, <laughs> and Nick is a great dude. Um, what can so, I say? They changed my life. How could I not talk about it? <laughs> right. And uh, of course, of course. And um, yeah, so we'll shut it down. And final question for you, my man, is uh, where can the Chasing Poker Greatness audience find you on the World Wide Web? You could find me on Twitter, Big Bet University. Um, our website is bigbetu.com if you're interested in applying um, for my poker staking thing. Or not staking, poker coaching. <laughs> poker staking thing. That's wow. <laughs> You did such a great job of selling poker detox and such a horrible job of selling yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just, I mean, I'm sure that Jason will be pissed or something. Come on, it's, but it, it is what it is. Um, yeah, so Twitter, BigBetU, BigBetU.com if you're interested in applying or PokerDetox.com. Basically, the way that I would frame it is that if you're small stakes and you want to break into high stakes, it would make sense to check out Poker Detox. If you're a mid to high stakes player that has success in the game but wants to become an elite player, go to bigbetu.com and send in an application and we'll chat with you and see if you're a good fit. Yep, I would certainly do that if I were a mid stakes type guy that's wanting to skyrocket into the high stakes and like you said, make mid six figures a year, right? That's a dream. Yeah, I mean it has to be important. If you're fine with making, you know, eighty to hundred K good salary and you might want to stay the course, but if it's important you to be at the top of your game, make, you know, 300 to 500 K and that's like a real priority to the extent that you're willing to make a substantial investment in it. Like it has to be really important to you to have that level of success. Then you're the right person to work with me. And I feel fine saying stuff like I know where I'm going to turn off a lot of people that you're talking about, but I only need to work with one or two people at a time. I'm looking for the perfect people to work with me that are determined to succeed at the highest level. Yeah, again, you know, it's kind of going back to what we said earlier about working with the right people and understanding your own vision and your goals and what you're setting out to do. And like, I guarantee you, if there's somebody out there that's mid mid to high stakes player that wants to move up, like this will resonate with them and reach out to Matt and Jason at Big Bet You. Take that leap because it could change your life. I mean, look at marinelli's story right with poker detox just make taking that leap can change everything so yep with that said i guess we'll close it down man it's been great having you on the show maybe next time you can have a cam so that i can see your face while you're talking and yeah, of uh, <laughs> i'll put it i'll get that for christmas <laughs> there you go take care man been great having Thanks, you on brad bye-bye Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Chasing Poker Greatness. If you have yet to subscribe to the show, please take a second to do so on Apple Podcasts or wherever your favorite place to listen to podcasts may be. For more content from me, Coach Brad, please visit our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash enhance your edge, and I'll see you next time.